This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Thunderhurt. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the spectacular, ventriculacular, malleable, masticatable, and totally insatiable Justin Waddell. How's it going, Justin? You know, it's just it's just rolling right along, Nick. It's Oscar season. Oh, God. How was your Oscars? I watched happened? as little as I f- possibly could. Nick, you know, as a movie podcast, that's really our our forte, Oscar season. Yeah. What are you wearing? How did you uh, handle the wins? How did you stomach the losses? You did, how did you how'd you do it? Don't care. It's a big wet noodle around my neck. <laughs> Were you surprised? No, no. The only thing surprising about the Oscars is that is if it's not a wet noodle around your neck. You didn't let me finish. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You'd surprised that game night bring, didn't bring any home. Oh, yeah. Well, it was the wrong year, but still, still. a huge, huge whiff by the Academy. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so I, I did watch most of it. I, I wasn't meaning to. I don't really like to watch it, but I thought it was okay. People were really angry this morning on yeah. how it ended. But Steven Soderbergh in the mix. He, he, he directed it this year. I remember back in the 70s, Jack Elam was at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And on the red carpet, like, who are you scaring? <laughs> a little, a little Jack Elam joke. <laughs> still kicking, still around, right? Old Jack Elam died here. Died here. shortly after the Cannonball Run movies. Let me, let me zoom in real quick. He's still here. Oh, he's still here in our hearts. Could fit in it now because I'm sure he was destroyed as a as a body. Jack, Jack Elam. That's a great last name, Elam. Yeah. Handsome man, yeah, that's the word I'd use. That, yeah, no, he was a primarily in westerns, right? I'm gonna yes. zoom in real yep. quick, sure was. Yeah, and then they resurrected him for the cannonball run duology. Yeah, what, what did he do in the cannonball run? I can't remember. He played a doctor, did he? And he, and he was, he had, he would always shake his gross finger, uh, and everyone was afraid for him to touch them. That Is was that what it was? Yeah, because he was sickening to look at. Why do they have a doctor in the mix? And Cannibal Run because they was he attending to like car wreck injuries. I don't even remember the context. We'll find out in a scant eighty-one episodes. How many movies did they make in the Cannonball Run series? Just two. Two, unfortunately. I think I've seen the second one more than the first. I miss those movies. Actually, I haven't watched them in a long time. But I used to love to watch those little guys. Right. Huge movies. 
All-star cast, man. Rat Race could not pull it off, but well, special time in my young life. When they did try, up. didn't they? You know, Vince Maloof in the in the Rat Race there. He's a poor man's Jack Elam. Um, speaking of Cannonball Run, old Bob from Black Hole had those He's, cannonball games. Well, he, 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 didn't ha- he didn't have to run because he had the cannonballs. Is that how, is that what they were there for? Did you call them his gams? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But didn't is were they like magnetized and that's how they flew? I don't know. I did not buy the illustrated uh visual dictionary that they put they surely put out for it. That is a, a zoom uh out of reach for us. If somebody we- tells if those cannonballs had anything to do with those robots uh flying, I'd like to know. Yeah. You know? Well, remember the whole thing with the black hole was that all the robots and all the sentries and all that were filled with dead people. Now, granted, yeah. Vincent and old Bob were technically part of the, the good crew, but I think right. old Bob was there when they got there. So there's a reason to believe that maybe there was a bunch of human matter in them balls. Oh God. That's a, that is a, you know, food for thought. As they say, I didn't, I forgot that the corpses were animate. Like the, they were kind of reanimating corpses for the crew and on the, on the ship, the crazy captain, right? He was doing all that work. That would be a uh, Maximilian shells character, Dr. Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they were reanimated. I think they were just in a horrible state of disrepair. They, were, yeah. they weren't truly dead. Yeah, they were at the end, though. That ship went bye-bye. Yeah, The, the Cygnus, as it's called. Who uh, survived the black hole? Did any, I, who, was the, who survived the crew? Well, I'm guessing Bob Forrester had to have. Yvette Mimiu must have. Maybe Ernest Borgnine? Borgnine survived? I don't know. Did Tim... Was that boring guy? Did that boring guy, uh, a clean cut guy? He was a brother, Timothy Bottoms, maybe. He might have. He might have survived. Yeah, I yeah. bet Borgnine gets it. I bet he eats it. In space. Well, I know. I know Perkins leaves. He gets. He gets drilled through that newspaper. Right. Well, I think it's, a, it's a book. Yeah, he gets book yeah. death. Let's yeah. just say it's a. Let's just say it's a comic section of the newspaper. Yeah. Well, I mean, we need to we need to put this fucking uh, movie on high alert and get it into the into the queue asap. You don't even want to watch it though. I do. For this purpose? Are you kidding? For the for the scope? Yeah, hell yeah. I'll watch that noise all day long. Is it on Disney Plus? Great call. Did they put it there? Did they is it advertised? Is it are they are they trying to drive uh subscriptions? Well if they want the black hole? If they want to keep their tagline fresh, only the big hits. <laughs> Didn't they that, that was rumored for a remake a few years ago, correct? Yeah, and somebody I know pitched a remake of it. And it was the pitch meeting quick. It was like, like the black hole, but good. It's like, well, no, this is just the further adventures of Yvette Mimiu's shirt. Because I remember it was tight and she had boobs and I was young. <laughs> you zoomed in. Yeah. I was, I thought you were going to go left there and you went right. I thought you were going to say she had like a interesting shirt. If I'm not mistaken, there's a reason her name ain't Yvette Mimiu, if you know what I'm saying. Oh my God. I don't even know who she is. What, what, what else was she in? I don't know. All I know is that that name threw me for a, a bender because it was there was a lot of silent letters going on, and I was young, and I needed to learn some shit. It sounds good. It's like a good name, you know. Yeah. It's exotic. Mimi it sounds you. like it sounds like a litter of kittens just falling asleep. That's what it would sound like. Mimi, you, you know. <laughs> See, I could talk about breasts and purring animals. It's per. I have no parameters. I have to look her up afterwards. I wonder wonder how her COVID's been. <laughs> she might be gone. You think she's out of here? She might be a deceased individual. 
Let me look up a vet menu since uh, I haven't exhausted uh, my browser. Crossing my fingers. Crossing my fingers. Uh, well, it said net worth, so that's encouraging. She lives. She walks. Yes. She is an, an a 79-year-old being. Oh, fairly young. Let's, let's be honest. You know what would be a great thing? And this is something we should probably, you know, if I was still in the biz. Actually, yeah, she she, she was an attractive. Right. Um, She's still working. Good. She had a guest appearance on uh, Young Sheldon. <laughs> the great thing, the great thing is, if I were still in the business and I had uh, enough of star power so that my offspring would be guaranteed famous, yeah, I would intentionally deliver one of them at a cemetery in Hollywood, so that when people go to their IMDb page to see if they're still alive, it would say Hollywood Cemetery, and they'd they click away from the browser thinking that they were lost to time. When the last laugh is begotten by me. As they were born in a cemetery. Wow, you really, you'd have to time it just right, yeah, you know? Yeah. And you'd probably have to get the um, okay from your partner. I mean, if I'm a superpowered celeb, man, mm -hmm. I write the book. They got to do what you say? Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. I, I, I uh, because I hate myself, I watched uh, an episode and a half of Mark Wahlberg's new show on HBO mm. Max. I got, I got. About uh, his businesses, something I've been dying to find out about. Not enough. Mark Wahlberg reality shows, in my opinion. There needs to be an, another one. Yeah. He's got the burger show that he sometimes appears on, right? Right. He's got this one, which is about his business adventure, adventures. Right. And then where's the, you know, like the love story? You know, that's what I'd like to see, the home life. Well, his mom just passed away. Did you hear about that? I did hear about it, yeah. Yeah, man. So it's funny because there's this running joke about somebody saying, how's your mother, right, with him? Mm -hmm. Can't do that anymore. Andy Samberg. He he would be the one. Mark Wahlberg were, Mark Wahlberg would be asking people, how's your mother? That's so Sandberg would be saying better than yours. Is that what you're saying? That's fucking hard. Mimi, Mimi you. Um, well, you know, anyway. you know what, you know, uh, did you watch, did you see that Philip Kaufman's invasion of the body snatchers? Did I see it? Of course I saw it. Great movie. We'll do that soon. You know, who's in that one. Yeah, I do. Of course. Donald Southern there. You got, um, uh, what's her face from uh, Alien? Vinette, Veronica Cartwright. Cartwright in that. The, the love interest is that other girl who's kind of cute. And then you know who else is in it? Playing playing the Snatchers. Yvette mimic you. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> waiting for some kind of joke. What? Who was the love interest? Why can't I remember? She's that brunette. She Tony, looks Tony Shalhoub's wife. Why can't I remember her name? She she's looks a bunch of stuff. not Meg Tilly. No. She looks like a. She looks like uh. She's like a brunette, a little short brunette. Looks just like. Oh, she's great. She's a great actress. I just I Brooke Adams maybe is it Brooke, Brooke Adams? Adams? Yeah, Brooke yeah. Adams. Brooke, yeah, Brooke Adams in there. And then who is the fourth? Who is the other dude? Goldblum. Goldblum. God, I can't remember for some reason. Goldblum is great in that. Yep. Goldblum's back in the seventies. He's a guy who you could look at him and you know exactly what his penis looks like. <laughs> he's a debonair dude, Goldblum. He's, he's one a, of a kind. He's aged like a port wine, man. He is fortified. He's like a he's he's kind of got the Chris Walken thing going for him. No, 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 no. He's no, just no. a rare individual. Yes, that's true. I think no. Walken Walken wishes he had an inkling of the charisma that Jeff don't Goldblum even, has. Don't even try to step to Chris Walken. My man's a legend. Goldblum would be lucky. I'd mention him in the same breath. If Christopher Walken had a calendar on his wall tracking good hair days, it would be blank. He's got, remember he had a hair, uh, he had an anti-baldness um, regimen that he would do. What was that? He pulled at his hair. 
I heard him describe it on a talk show once. He, every day he... I pulled out my up, hair. No, he pulls on his hair. Oh. He pulls on his hair all over his, his scalp. And it seems to have worked. I feel bad for the people that do that and pull out clumps of hair, though. Well, I, I want to give a little tip of my, my glass to the listeners who have a bingo card going. Center square, Christopher Walken pulling out hair. Pulling on hair. But yeah, but you know, every time, I don't care how strong your head is, there's hair that comes out every pull. I do it all the time. I'm a hairy guy, but I pull hair, I get hair. You got to wonder if he has that regimen for the, the North and the South. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Where do you mean, where does he stand on slavery? Or You know what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. His old jinklings down there. His little <laughs> his little dead zone. You put tugging on the old dogs of war. Chris, we're walking worried about going bald down there. You know, that's yeah. how paranoid he is. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we're still here. As you know now, I've joined the ranks of the inoculated. So, yeah, you uh, you got a vaccine. You got one of the doses today. You went Pfizer. I saw, or you told me. Same here. You went left arm. I went left arm. I feel like we're trotting the same path here, Nick. I think so too. Feels mm-hmm. good. It feels good to have this kinship. You know, we're already I'm, linked. We're yeah, already we've linked. but we've taken it to another level. I mean, we're like the brother Solomon by now. Uh, which is a film, and b- by golly, so is Thunderheart, today's feature, on the movie Microscope, which is a show where we zoom in. We watch a film through electrocuted boards and slam the cotton hamstrings into each other. And then we wander about the room frivolously until the correct amount of baking soda is in each of us. And we stare heavenwards and wait for Jesus to deliver his spinning suplex kick to our soul. And we watch a film together and... Talk about what the likes of you, see what makes or breaks. So if we're talking about Rocket Gibraltar, and talk about the scene where Burt Lancaster wets his whistle on a nice ice cold glass of something sweet. A little glass of Susie Amos, a little Mountain Dew Code Red down there. What? A little drink of the Cameron juice. What are you talking about? <laughs> is she in that movie? Fuck I don't even know it. what it is. Rocket Gibraltar? Mm-mm. Lancaster and Amos together? I think the, I think it's the first appearance of one Macaulay Culkin or an early appearance of one Macaulay Culkin. Don't zoom. Don't don't do a staggering zoom this hard. I had to. This rock, early. Rock it was it was a family movie that was on HBO all the time. Was it? I don't even know if I've heard of it. How do you not remember a movie with that title? I don't know. Rock of Gibraltar. You got Lancaster in there? Yep. Let's find out how right I am. I know, I, I've looked at it somewhat recently, so I think I'm close. Is this before Tough Guys? Oh, I still got Yvette Mimeo on my screen. Hold on a second. All right. All right. Was Lancaster in Tough Guys? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was also in Field of Dreams. Those are all, there's only three movies he's ever done, right? <laughs> Susie Amos, Patricia Clarkson, Francis Conroy, who is basically Patricia Clarkson. They're like almost the same person. John Glover, Bill Pullman, Kevin Spacey and Macaulay Culkin in his film debut. Spacey in this. 1988. And directed by Daniel Petrie, who I believe did one of the Cocoon movies. Makes sense. Which I, I love. Well, we're doing those Cocoon movies at some point. Back yes, to back. Sir. He did Cocoon 2. Oh, he did one of my first ever sort of grown-up movies that I used to watch a lot. What? Fort Apache, The Bronx. Do you remember that? I do. Who's in it? Paul Newman. Paul Newman, Ken Wall, and uh, Ed Asner. Danny Aiello, Rachel Dakota, and Pam Greer. Kathleen Beller. Do you remember her? She was the girl in Sword and the Sorcerer. She was a cutie. She's in something else, too. Well, yeah. she's What she else, though? She, she didn't call it a day after one. No, it's just... Uh, uh, some little movie called Godfather 2. 
and then time trackers, but also had the pleasure of being married to Thomas Dolby. Holy weird. Still married to that candy man. She blinded him with her. You know what? Um, Is that yeah. Dolby that did blind man science? Yeah. He's actually kind of great. There's a couple of the, those guys similar. Howard Thomas Jones. You think yeah. like Howard Jones and. One of those guys, it might be Dolby. I think I brought this up before. Has like a patent on all those like ringback tones or ringtones, like whatever. It He's sounds like, like some, it sounds like something he would do. Yeah, he fell ass backwards into some riches. It fell head forward into Kathleen Beller. He had one hit, didn't he? No, are you kidding? Howard Jones. Oh, Things no. can only no wait. Howard, Jones, Howard Jones. Thomas Dolby. T. Dolby. Thomas Dolby had a career way before that whole electronica thing happened. Did he? Yeah. No, he had. A, he's he's had a wonderful career. Um. I bet you he's still going. Yeah, 1979 to present without a break. Has worked with the likes of David Bowie, Farner, Roger Waters, Joni Mitchell, Free, <laughs> Prefab Sprout, Houdini, and Def Leppard. All right, we got to see if Prefab Sprout is still doing it. They are There's still no... still doing it. They are? Still doing it. No breaks. One of the worst names in rock. One of the... 1978 to this moment. That's a bad name to hang on yourself for that many years. It's hard to say, and it's hard to like. Yeah, just getting sprouted in there is enough. It's already bad. And then they were like, we're going to put prefab in here. <laughs> yeah, he's a badass, Thomas Dolby. I didn't know he was so uh, kind of a renaissance man, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's we like probably we probably don't know a lot of his stuff. He was he was one of those guys. He was like a Terry Pratchett or Douglas Adams who was they tried a little bit too much to be too clever for their own good sometimes with their titling and all that kind of stuff. Like he had one of his albums here is called Aliens ate my Buick, you know. That was his famous one, wasn't that a yeah. big one for him? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little try, a little try hard, but based on a true story, and they actually made from that album, they've actually made one of the movies that we did recently on the movie microscope. Which one? I think you remember it. The Arrival. No. Aliens ate my Buick. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't remember the name of the movie, Nick. I was hoping you could come up with it. But it has starred the star of uh, Mila Jovovich. This Jovovich. Oh, the fourth the kind. Show. Yeah. Because they have stupid things in their mind about aliens. <laughs> the fourth kind. I was talking about the different the different <laughs> cars they like to eat and that the fourth the fourth <laughs> was the Buick. All right. Right. <laughs> that movie oh, was bad, Nick. What did I forgot. What did that lady talk like? Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> Buick. That's so good. So what's your relationship with old T-Heart? I got to say, I had fond memories of this movie just because I remember seeing it in the theater way back in 92, 93. When did it come out? Are you making me zoom at this hour? 93, maybe? 92, maybe. I was surprised how good I thought it was. So I don't really... Have, I think I've probably seen it since then once. 92. Great year. I forgot a lot about it. I remember there was a, a murder I was surprised by and I didn't like that happens in this. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened on the rewatch. But I knew Val K uh, Kilmer was in it, playing a, a part Sioux Indian, uh, like a one quarter. And then that's all I remember, really. Like, I just remember that, uh, you know, a little bit of a strange casting. But then you find out that Kilmer actually has a similar background. I don't know why more Sioux Indians don't become lawyers. At least they pretend, at least they said that, that he did. I don't know if it's true. I remember seeing it in the theater and and liking it and then buying the, the, the VHS almost instantly and realizing how boring it was you know not not now you know I'm, you know as you mature you you could tolerate that stuff but i remember you don't get there's not a lot of payment on your on your entertainment dollar while you're watching that film 
it's yeah, it's a it's it's a serious film. Uh, Graham Greene gives a you know, he comes he shows up and he actually gives a lively performance, but for the most part, it's a pretty morose tale. Nick Fred Ward hadn't been this wasted since the set of Henry and June. Man, but yeah, he isn't in a lot. Produced by whom? Who produced this movie? Amongst others, one Robert De Niro produced this movie. Nick, do you think maybe he was in the in the in line to star in this thing? I imagine that they probably wanted him for the Sam Shepard role at one point. Maybe they thought of him for the Kilmer role. Could have, but you know they needed a young buck for that role. And at this point, I think De Niro was in his forties. Like yeah. I don't know how old. Well, you told me an interesting bit of trivia on the phone about the various folks who went out for this job for the, for both roles. The wish list, so right. To speak. Mm-hmm. And and it was basically, you know, it's funny, you know, IMDb trivia will carry these lists of these people that were up for roles, but if you think about it. Just pick any time period and then pick any 20 people who are bankable and they're usually considered for every film. Well, the funny thing was they have, you know, the the rogues gallery here for the Kilmer role who plays, you know, Val Kilmer plays an, um, an FBI agent who uh, they kick him to this murder case that happens on a uh, Indian reservation. And um, they do it because they think he'll be accepted by the Native Americans that live there because he's he has a he has a. Uh, Native American blood. Now he doesn't uh, care. Like he doesn't. He doesn't wreck. He's ashamed of that part of his life. Um, considers himself an orphan. Considers himself an orphan. But one of the people they had, uh, they targeted for the lead here was Schwarzenegger, which I thought that might have been hard for him to pull off. You know, I'm sure he would have been fun in it. But they also had Stallone. I think it would have been great. Stallone would have pulled it off. I'm ashamed of who I am. I can't even do it. He looks the part-ish. Trying to get my Sloan impersonation out, and it did not work. Um, well, you you got to work on it, because we're going to do a, uh, an entire month of Stallone in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> well, how about you? What's your background? You, you said you bought the DVD, and, and I, I did see on Wikipedia they had the they laid it out for me. Scene okay. selections and trailers for that DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and if, you, if you pre-ordered it, you got a plastic version of the handcuffs that the guy was wearing when he jumps off the car. It's amazing. Well-reviewed movie directed by Michael Apted, who recently passed away, a prolific director, um, well-regarded director. You know, speaking of Oscars, he, they, this movie was up for a few Oscars and actually won one. Which one? Best Apted screenplay. So, killed it. But anyway, so that, like, I was surprised he directed this. I forgot he kind of was, it's hard to put your thumb on that guy. He was he he moved all around. He did all sorts of films. It's certainly hard to put your thumb on his thin ass face. <laughs> What's his last movie? He I know he did those. Um, we talked about those recently. The documentaries he did. His his dying movie was um, I believe it's called Unlocked, uh, Mister Apted, and that stars Numi Rapace, Orlando Bloom, Michael Douglas, John Malkovich, and Tony Collette. Actually, oh, sounds like that's a good cast. That's awesome. He got to work with Orlando Bloom. Before he got out of here, yeah. Now he's helping flowers bloom. <laughs> he uh, crossed one off the old bucket list, I guess. Kind of the universal check mark for directors: work with Orlando Bloom. Right. Well, if you think about it, that dude has gotten to work with some biggies. You put him in a movie, like spin him like a top. He'll do. He'll work wonders for your shitty screenplay. Absolutely. A chameleon. <laughs> a chameleon who has no sex. Is that what we were talking about? I remember this. Like I, I heard that. Remember, he was gonna, he was abstaining from sex for a while. Yeah, no longer. He's with Katy Perry. I think they're together. They have a kiddo. 
there's a there's a pap shoot of him naked on a raft <laughs> with the in full bloom. Nice. You haven't seen this? No. I didn't either. I just know about it. I wonder what that kind of household must be like in the in the evenings, you know, like around dinner time. What kind of conversing happens, what their ritual is, you know, what the, you know, are, on a Sunday afternoon, are they propped up on the couch watching, you know, football or or maybe Netflixing and chilling? Or is she as far away from him as she could feasibly be because his he's a stench machine because he's he's like he's i got a, I got a, a bunch of scripts in the mail she's like uh are they going to be funded or are they orlando bloom starring movies <laughs> you think they should they like have a little game between them and it's cute it's maybe uh try to out annoy each other in the press you know see who could see who could uh, make harder to read headlines for the general public right yeah. Katy Perry's still in demand. I mean, not really. I don't think is she. I mean, when was the last time you you picked up one of her uh, records, Nick? Uh, I mean, it's not about picking up her records, but it seems like a lot of these pop mistresses are, are, you know, whenever one of them comes out with something, there's a support group, you know, or there's like a feud or something, you know, with Nicki Minaj and yeah, she had a feud with Lady Taylor Gaga Swift. and all that shit. I don't yeah. think Gaga feuds. I think she had a feud with Taylor Swift, and I mean, you can kind of tell who came out on top of that you know right. not Katy perry well didn't she have some weird facet to her then she, something... she was she had a christian background she was like a christian rock singer for a while i believe is that what you're talking about the, no no that's not no i thought she had some sort of a quirk or a weird uh, part of her life that not like a scientologist or something but i thought there was something that made her undesirable because she was a sex machine she was sexing it up for a stretch there in her in her career and then she yeah, went the other way star. she's a pop star she never I, yeah but she had the documentary that people thought was kind of interesting i never saw it hmm. glad we're talking about it <laughs> so what's the premise of thunderheart it's a good question nick like i said val kilmer there's a there's a murder on a indian reservation and the, the suits decide to send in val kilmer partner him up with a guy that's been there for a while uh, a, long, a careerist, Sam Shep, played by Sam Shepard. That's his beat, right? This yeah. uh, reservation. And so uh, Kilmer is handpicked because he does have some uh, Sioux blood. You know, at, in, at the beginning of the movie, he it's quite apparent that he rejects that part of his life. Right. But And so then the movie, over time, he becomes more and more interested and aligned with the people he's in, you know, there to investigate. But there's a conspiracy afoot, is there not? There is, yeah. Sam Shepard, uh, who has the wackiest teeth, teeth in this movie, his teeth pointed out, or in, he had he had them throughout his life. I never noticed his teeth. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got nightmare teeth. His teeth are whopper jawed. Is that a correct word? Yeah, they look like a he's got a sailor's tooth. They look. Like, <laughs> that's a that's a joke for two. He got that Idaho fence mouth. And so, but you know, playwright Sam Shepard, well-regarded actor, always plays the same character. Like he's always in these movies. He's, he's always a figure of authority, corrupt mm -hmm. or not. Always the same delivery, you know, but dependable. You know, much yeah. like Orlando Bloom. You <laughs> set him in a movie, you know what you're going to get. So yeah. um, he welcomes Val Kilmer. Um, to the investigation, but immediately you know that Sam Shepard probably is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he he does not 
ever uh, try to hide the fact that he sucks. Yeah, his character is <laughs> evil. I like yeah. They're, they're introduced in a municipal airport, mm -hmm. and um, Kilmer instantly wants to start talking shop, and uh, he'll have none of it, and he and he dismisses him instantaneously, and uh, but you know they want to make you feel a little bit for him, so he offers Kilmer a cigarette really nicely. Yeah, but he don't take that shit. He don't need no cigarette. He doesn't smoke. He's a health conscious, slim FBI agent, as Graham Greene's character points out later on he's a tofu and pilaf guy kind of guy right which is a which is a it's a pretty cold rip actually i never heard it's, i never it's heard also, someone level pilaf at somebody it's you know? also a dated rip <laughs> you tofu know? and pilaf yeah man i did see them in vegas though when i was there once i saw tofu and pilaf pretty good <laughs> they opened for so, ashford and simpson so let's talk about the cast okay we got graham green hot off Dance with the Wolves. He's right. in this movie. You got mm -hmm. Fred Ward, who you mentioned, Sam Shepard, who we've been talking about, Fred Dalton Thompson in Magic. one scene, Sheila Towsey, huge, Ted Finelk as Grandpa Sam Reaches, who's great in this movie. Yep, John uh, Trudell, and then you got Rex Lynn in this. My boy you Rex Lynn, looking young, looking slim, virtually no dialogue, not using any of his trademarks in this movie. Got a full head of hair in this. Ah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, exactly. Um, but yeah, so we're off and running. Like, so would Rex Lynn be nearly the legend he is now if he had just one N? No. Okay. The, the, the double N makes it. That's Rex a secret. It, to be fair, Rex. That's the secret sauce, it. though, is those two N's. What's Rex short for? Probably just Rex, right? No. It's, is his first name Tyrannosaurus Rex? Or car accidents? Is it just Rex? I think it is. What's oh, a great name? One of my friends named his son Knox, which I think is sort of like that too. With the K N O X, yeah. After Amanda Knox? No, actually, super fan, huh? Super fan. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, Fred Dalton Thompson is the uh, man in charge who sends Mister Kilmer on his merry way, and he says, "Look, hey, we need you. Your dad you know, was was, oh, a, was a Sue, and Kilmer said, "My dad died when I was a baby. I didn't know him." <laughs> and Fred Dalton Thompson said, "Your dad died when you were seven, right? Yeah, let's get let's get the facts straight. You knew him, and so <clears throat> you just find out early on that Kilmer wants nothing to do with his heritage, that at least that part of his life, his part of his uh, his history. When you, did you, you didn't like Kilmer in this, you said he's as, okay. He's it's it's he could be anybody in that role. He doesn't bring anything to it. He's fine, mm -hmm. but but Kilmer is such a singular talent." that I just sort of expect something different from him. Now that was a period because he had had that success with, you know, Top Gun and Top Secret and all that kind of stuff back then. Real genius. Right. And then he had that growing period where he was trying to be a, a mega star where he did like the saint and stuff like that. And I, this was sort of in that period where he was trying to convert that cash to uh, something bigger and it didn't work out, but yeah, it stretched his leg as, as a leading man, a non comedic leading man. Cause he had that. He was in those comedies. Like you said, um, I thought he, I think he quits himself quite well here. He underplays a lot of the stuff, but it's, but it's good. It's kind of a nice, even killed, somewhat emotional performance by him. Did he make good choices <laughs> in his career? He, well, there's a, he did in his later years, but you think about Island Dr. Moreau, you think about the saint, you think about this, there's quite a few missteps. Well, he's in heat though. 
he was that was ninety five. That was later though. But um, this period where he wasn't trying to be a star, and he the best is it was three years after this. Three years is a lifetime in that biz, man. Let me just Isn't truth heat ninety five. Am I right? Let me break a truth cookie open in front of you. <laughs> anyway, so but the reason they're there, there's there's a bit of on, on this reservation. There's a bit of. Uh, kind of infighting going on between some tr traditionalists, um, and, you know, people who want to kind of preserve the, the history of the tribe or the, as I, I don't know, but the of the land and you know the ways of the of the elders and things like that. And then there's this new crew who want to move on from that, and they're at odds. There's there's a lot of violence, and so you know, Shep Sam Shepard, like he just kind of gives Kilmer a tour through through this. Um, this place and it's just you know it has some harsh words for the people that live there yeah and by the way you know he's a piece of shit just from that just from that couple did, minutes of film did you notice the bust on fred dalton thompson's desk behind his desk i, I didn't is it is it, it that many many or i know I, that's uh i'd still be watching no it's he's got the ugliest bust of a horse on his desk it's Explain. a plane i, I didn't a, see this it's a shit sculpt and it's a thin horse head and i and it makes me want to usually get a bust you know it's of something significant to you do you think it was a, a tribute to michael apted you said it was a thin horse head <laughs> maybe that's his indian name so that might make a complete sense but no it makes me wonder if if there's a little a little currency that we could do a prequel to this movie where we find out the romance or the relationship a young fred dalton thompson had with a thin-headed horse <laughs> Either that, or he is slowly building a chess set. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I didn't notice his. That's the, our, our show. That's what we're committed to doing is to notice the knickknacks, the set dressings. And I was so transfixed by one Fred Dalton Thompson on my screen yet a, a screen on my screen. I mean, like the Beatles when I saw him <laughs> on my screen, that uh, I just I you know it was like everything just I just. I just affixed my gaze onto his face. No, it's a perfectly good analogy for our life in general, but it's pretty solid. R.I.P. Yeah, he died weird. FDT. What do you mean? Well, did he have some legal troubles at the end there? I think he ran for uh, office. No, that's that not, what you're talking about. No, no, that that is that's not a legal trouble. It's just and, and then he, yeah, I think he did get in some kind of controversy. Sure. No, he did. He fucked up. I'll tell you flat out. What a range on that guy. You know. What a range. A chameleon, Nick. <laughs> I just remember he ran for office. No, he was he was he was in office. Considering his weight, walked for office. Do you know what I'm saying? He was in office? He made it. Did he did he get elected, huh? So he was the a senator for yeah. uh nine years. He was the chair of the Senate Government Affairs Committee, and now he sits at the devil's right hand. <laughs> What state was it? Was it Tejas? Where was he? That was some southern, some That's southern a, brew. Tennessee, man. Nine he, years. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, he was killing it, man. Farting around school, but uh, you know he's uh, he's still. I still love him. I mean, I love him strictly from Red October and uh, of course Cape Fear. Of course, yeah. He not in Cape Fear. Is he? Oh, he is because he buried the he, reports. If you could have seen it, that buried the reports. He's in that, but then his, then a similar looker's in that with him. Yeah. Like, Fred, is, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Walking Tall. Joe Don yeah. Baker. 
Jodon Baker in there. Three Jodan names. Baker, who I like more. I have to say, I like more than Fred Dalton. If they had a, a, a barbershop quartet, they'd be two mm-hmm. two pieces of the three name fats. <laughs> Here's the thing. They, they just want to get, get Fred Ola. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. They get Fred Olin Ray in there. John Call Buchler, and you get it four singing fats. Who's the guy that's in um, um, Richard Jewell, that movie? Uh, Paul Michael Hauser or something like that. There we go. He can upgrade. He can be the young buck. Although he said he's trying to lose weight. He's like, he's, he's slimming down. Yeah, you got to, um, I mean, because, you know, a lot of guys, well, mm-hmm. when they lose a lot of weight, all of a sudden you realize how attractive they are. You know, like, what's her face? Jennifer Hudson, who's pretty already, but lost the weight. Stunning, right? Yeah, more socially acceptable to be thin. I say this as a fat guy. And then, uh, you know, Paul Michael Hauser is like, let me take off a few pounds to see if this disgusting visage is still, was... still shit to look at. Look, I'm not going to touch that one, all right? I think he's Girl. a very handsome man. Beautiful, <laughs> I'd say. Anyway, so this is what you know. I was trying to say was that both Jodon Baker and uh, Fred Dalton Thompson followed the advice of their very wise Hollywood agents. The more okay. name you have up there, the more space on the screen. That's true. And that you know, Fred Dalton Thompson was used to be known as Fred Dalton Dalton Thompson. He had it twice in there. Right. He was Fred Thompson at one point in movies. Was he? Yep. Yeah, that's what the aging was mad. He's like, we got to get more name in there. Well, they don't want to confuse him with any other Fred Thompsons that are superstars. He said, uh, fuck it. Name me after Swayze. I don't give a fuck. You right. <laughs> is that his? Is that Swayze's name in Roadhouse? Of course it is. Yes. So uh, the murder of Leo Fast Elk is what really kicks this movie into overdrive. Not fast enough. Yeah, he, it starts with his murder, actually. And it's a weird scene because he gets his back blown out by uh, multiple gunshots. I mean, it looks like, and it's, it's pretty awful. And then his body falls into uh, like a you know, water. And then Val Kilmer's credit comes up yep. as, the, as, as the body falls into, you know, into his final resting place. Actually it's not because they do move it. Yeah. Um, the killer. Uh, but I thought that was a weird, you think Kilmer requested it? We have to go back and look at all Kilmer's films. It's not as good as over a murder. It's not as good as Dustin Hoffman's credit and outbreak. What's that? I I believe it's over an explosion because they blow up. They blow up the village. I think that's when you see Dustin Hoffman's name come up, which I found very funny in the theater when we saw it. And people were looking at me like I was a crazy person the way I was laughing at that. But another Kevin Spacey performance. You brought, you brought him up earlier. He's in outbreak, right? Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. As is, I don't mean to, Talk out of school, but the star of Monkey Shines. Oh, wait a minute. It's the same monkey? It's the same species. Beggy's in there? <laughs> the same species, the capuchin? Uh, yeah, capu- I think there's a capuchin there. Do you know, we didn't say this. We didn't zoom in that hard when we did Monkey Shines, and I hope our fans have listened to that one, one of our highlights of our entire show, uh, entire stretch of podcasts that we've delivered since 2019. Um, Night of the Museum features... And it sequels a capuchin monkey. As does wrong? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah? Yeah, he does a Nazi salute. Oh my God. He delivers the bad dates, right? Or yep. he, eats the, he eats the bad dates. He does eat them. 
Mm-hmm. I, I still mourn him. Even though he was slightly Nazi, that monk, still cute as night. <laughs> that monkey from Raiders is still of this earth. There's no way on our, on our I planet. I think monkeys live like 200 years. Am I wrong? <laughs> Who I think the world would be at a better place with a bunch of, what do you call a, a sep- not an octogenarian, like, what do you call a monkey that's 200? You don't come late for dinner, that's for sure. Mm-mm, hell no. Um, you know, speaking of an animal or a reptile that lives, that does live a long time, turtles. Turtles right? live extreme years. And so there's a turtle shell in this that's made into like kind of a rattle, like an yeah. instrument. That that turtle checked out early for sure. Right. Yeah. Turtles, there was a, a story in the news several years ago where somebody was cleaning up their attic and in a box was a pet turtle from 20 years prior and it was just kicking it in there. What do you mean? It had no food, had no water. It was just kicking it. Just waiting. It was alive? Waiting for unearth. Yeah. What was it? What did it eat? I think it didn't. I don't think they need it. I think they could just shit themselves for a while. There's no way. It had to eat something. Yep. Turtle. Th- 32 years. 32 years a turtle in Rio de Janeiro was living in a furniture choked attic, as they say. Furniture choked attic? No, no, okay, now they're wrong. It's a tortoise. Tortoises are a little bit less needy than turtles. It's a damn tortoise. Lived in that attic for eternity. You know he was taking nightly trips down to the fridge. You know he's sneaking that shit. Speaking of furniture, what did you say? Furniture soaked at? What was it? Furniture? I did say something. I, I read it from this from this stupid website. Furniture choked attic, you said, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. You know who would love that? Who? The bad guy from Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> no, he did. He he was obsessed with furniture. He made furniture or something? Yeah, he loved furniture. Like, Chris, he was, yeah, I think he made furniture. Christopher Eccleston? Mm-hmm. The most... <laughs> uninteresting quirk a bad guy's ever had they, they probably thought that was that was going to be so interesting or something he's yeah so and at the end when they apprehend him they they he's like sad and they says they're going to give you the chair and then he perks up i think that the in the movie nobody we did when that guy gets the chair thrown in his head that was a tribute to his character right just a sly wink to all the super fans of <laughs> gone in 60 seconds who They're directed right. it? Simon West? Dominic Senna? Dominic Senna, the guy from Swordfish, the guy who directed Swordfish? I think so. God, what a what a resume. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it's him or one of the or those other imposter piece of shits. Um, remake. Zoom in. So anyway, there's a murder, and then the, the Sam Shepard's convinced that the and he he is a very in dogged pursuit of a of a person named James Looks Twice. That's who he <laughs> thinks has murdered this individual and so the first part of this movie is the pursuit and investigation of this character who is played by john trudeau who was like kind of an accomplished writer or poet i didn't know much about him but anyway he's pretty good in this and he, he like you said i'm sure it's a stunt person but there's a jump he someone pulls off in this movie that's incredible over the hood of a car it's very it's, memorable I, that may have been the reason i saw this movie because i was in the trailer right I, I had to see it again and again in a big screen that guy doesn't show back up in the film, though, surprisingly. He does. Does he? He does. Yeah, he's the guy at the end, or towards the end, that um, Kilmer goes to the to the grandpa, played by Ted, Ted Thin Elk, who we love in this movie, right? He's, yep. he's very good. Um, to talk to him, and that guy's in there. And, you know, Kilmer's surprised to see him. But at that point, Kilmer's, like, on the other side, and he's like, you need to get out of here. And then okay. Sam Shepard busts in and arrests him. Okay. Must have forgotten that. <laughs> 
I just well, watched only it. did twice. You only just watched it, yeah. Um, He's got a cool haircut in this. I, I would say it's an annoying haircut. I couldn't pull it off. Although he has one of the ultimate uh, accomplices in cinema history. Hmm. Do you remember? Sam Shepard is oh, about... Oh, Badger. Yeah, it's incredible. I love it so much. So talk <laughs> about this scene. So they so they track they follow this guy to his domicile and they've got him uh, and they're and his house is locked and he's telling so he's got he's got an ace in the hole and Sam Shepard uh, he he tells Sam Shepard where his spare key is and it's underneath the, the the stoop there in the little crevice and Sam Shepard's like you know you don't have a booby trap and like that and he's like nope 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 and then what happens <laughs> Badger comes out of nowhere and bites Sam Shepard's hand. And then our James looks twice, runs away, handcuffed. That's when the jump happens. Like he gets away. They're shooting at him, but he gets away. And there's like a kind of a gunfight breaks out. He's hiding in a camper, but he does get away. And then he's accused of possibly being a shapeshifter. You see an elk kind of uh, scurrying away. And there's, there's a little bit of, you know, the movie kind of saying, is he a shapeshifter? Did he? And so then they kind of make jokes about that in the movie. Um, anytime anybody mentions shapeshifting, though, I'm I'm on board. It reminds me when I watched Michael Myers drive a car. <laughs> uh, shapeshifting, I, I, I am suspicious about the authenticity of Indian shapeshifting. I don't know. That's the line I did not expect to hear right now. I did not wake up. What are you talking about? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I buy it that they're able to transform into creatures. I don't think you need to buy it. I think you could just kind of lay that one over the entire world. You don't, just, <laughs> you don't believe in shapeshifters, Nick? Not sure. I believe it. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, what no. I drink. What would you shapeshift into? Let's. Let's have to it. pick one. So let's just say one. it on three. Let's just say it on three together. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me think there. here. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'll count down from three. Hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. I need to think. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to count down from three. You just say the first thing that comes. All right. Three, two, one. Narwhal. Damn. Close. <laughs> I love the idea. I'm being chased by the cops, and all of a sudden I skid, I skid to a stop because I'm a narwhal. <laughs> Blend right into the environment. <laughs> I am suffocating. Help! Somebody. But speaking of, they, they got that horn, right? The the Pegasus. Yeah, it's it's the, actually a tooth. Is it? Yep. The sailor's a, tooth. <laughs> it's a tooth that grows out of their goddamned head. I think I knew it. Anyway, so I had learned this recently. I never knew this, and you might know it. You know how people say um, they have that bumper sticker: "Honk if you're horny." Yeah. That's a pun. Really? I had no idea. Honk if you're horny. Like, you know, honk and horny. It's a yeah. little bit of a pun. I just always assumed honk if you're horny. I just always assumed it was just cut to the chase. Yeah. Like if you want to cut out that whole conversation I part. And no start idea. I lived yeah. my entire life till recently thinking that was just now a you, straight up dirty kind of a bald thing to put on your car. You likened a, a narwhal to a unicorn a moment ago. I'm sorry. It, it did not go unnoticed. I'm so sorry. No, I love it. It makes me I feel. Th- I think I said a Pegasus, but I meant a unicorn. Oh well, I like the idea of my chosen spirit animal being a, a magical entity. You know. Yeah. Narwhals are, are peculiar. 
See, when you, the reason I needed some time to think because I was trying to think if there's an animal that secretes food. Yeah. Because I'd love it if I had, if I was like a kind of creature that would shoot sugar candies or like liquid drip sure. into my own mouth. Of course, that'd be amazing. Have you ever tasted a narwhal? Do they make that? They cook those guys up? They're so rare, man. They're, they, 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 first of all, they're always in the cold. So you, you prefer them rare? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's going to make a joke. But I'll tell you what, anyway, though, I, if I, you've never, you've never, you've never touched tooth to narwhal flesh? No. Never? No, I would touch lips to it, though, to thank them for being there. I'd be like the Timothy Treadwell of narwhals. We yeah. found this frozen, naked guy with a giant beard floating in the Arctic. Yeah, he treat, he, he really liked narwhals. They always have that expression on their face. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like the expression that just says, like, can you believe this shit? I'm a narwhal, you know? Yeah. Can you believe this? It's like, I am blubberized. I've got an easy lantern in my belly. Are they big animals? Huge. Spotted, if I'm not mistaken, but rarely. Should we talk about the movie or? Graham Greene <laughs> plays a local, a reservation cop, basically. Yeah, he plays a cop. Mm. But he's a, his his jurisdiction yeah. is, the, is the res. Yeah, and he's a, he's at odds with the, with the, the, the FBI because he's doing his own investigation, which he's not supposed to do. And he also is in an unsteady alliance with the with the other like militia that's on premise. Right. Well, he's just trying he's trying to conduct his own investigation and uh the FBI's taken way too long and he wants to bury this body cuz it's just the right thing to do. Well, he um, he wants his soul to go to the next phase. Right. And so he's the fun, he's like the best in this. Like I love this character. He's very he's, funny and he has that he's a great line in this one. Him and Kilmer are immediately at odds. You got to listen to the trees, Hoss. <laughs> Is that the line? No, he says later, he says he rips Sam Shepard's character to Kilmer. And Kilmer says, um, you can dust Frank Cotel's badge. That's what, because that's Sam Shepard's character. And uh, Graham Greene goes, or his badger, for that matter. He does a, he makes a badger joke. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah, it is good. Um, by the way, Sam Shepard's nickname in this is Cooch. Right. That's a toughie. Yeah, it is. I want to know how he got to it. Pull off, yeah. Because he's got a little sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And oh, and and <laughs> Sam Shepard compares Kilmer to Sam Minio in the movie Sal Arrows. Minio. On, Sal Minio. Sal, Sal Minio. I'm sorry. And the movie Arrows on the Prairie, which is not a real film, according to trivia. Sal Minio died bad, if I remember correctly. I think he was murdered. I stand corrected. Anyway, so Graham Greene plays a character named Walter Crowhorse, which is a great name. I just wanted to point that out. Um, and, you know, this there's a group called ARM. This is an organization they keep finding at the murder scenes. They keep they keep graffitiing their their signature, the ARM, their their symbol. Right. Um, which is the, to leave their mark to say, hey, we're killing these people, which is always, you know, a shorthand for the government's doing this shit. And trying to set someone up, someone up, you know. Right. Anyway, so then Kilmer meets a woman uh, played by uh, actress Sheila Towsey, who's goodness, and she she's is. a school, school school teacher, and she's been kind of she's been pegged as like a kind of a, a violent person, but she's she really isn't. She's she's more of a peacemaker. She's trying to set things right on the reservation and kind of do right by 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 the place, you know, and stand up for their rights and all that stuff. I can only assume um, Michael Abt did cast her because. Her head is tiny. She's a tiny head. She has a really good scene with Kilmer. In the house? 
And that's pretty good. But the scene when he digs her up. <laughs> that is what I remember for this movie. And I was actually upset about it in the theater and still upset. But this and she and her murder is based on an actual murder that happened. No, she there's a scene when he's kind of telling her about his father. Finally, he talks about his father and how her his father called him Washi or something. Remember? Yep. And she lays it out, out for him. She zooms in for him. She said it means it means lard. And so he was probably saying you're a chubby boy. He's affectionately calling you a chubby boy. She's got a whole mess of kids in this movie. She's got a lot of kids that she's watching. She only has two, uh, you know, that she gave birth to in this movie. And one of them gets shot in the arm. Yeah. And not like in a good way. No, he not, he's not gonna got a shot in the arm. He like he revived. No, he gets physically shot in his physical arm. So Kilmer is doing like some one of the things in this movie is he's doing the investigation and he's supposed to be stay, staying within the parameters set by Sham, Sam Shepard, but he's not. He's not coloring within those lines. He's starting to kind of wake up to the fact that there is a conspiracy. There's something at, weird at foot, and um, he starts interviewing people. He really doesn't have permission to do it to to, to interview. And then at one point when he's interviewing this woman, their whole place gets shot up. Yeah. And that's when her son gets shot in the arm. It makes me think th- that this is a tough existence out in the prairie. Yeah, of course. There's a part where they're going through the investigation in a bar, Kilmer and Sam Shepard kind of ex- exchanging information. And this dude that looks like David Crosby's working there. And it is David Crosby. I was shocked that they cast him in this movie. You talk about Melissa Etheridge's beau? <laughs> Not as her beau. He's just a surrogate for her baby, I believe. That's what I'm calling him. Yeah, but he's got he's got pieces of him went into her or went into a, a room with her. Yeah, I think a room. I think she wanted some of his musical talents to get mixed in with hers. I guess she must be a big fan. Unfortunately, the kid has his looks and her looks. I don't believe, I believe that maybe her her wife, which was, I think, if I'm right, Lou Diamond Phillips' ex. The plot thickens. And um, I think that they're together. I think it might have been, maybe she carried the baby. I, I can't remember. Uh, you're ha- don't quote me. Her, was her last name Cypher? Julie Cipher? No. Yeah, it was Julie. Julie Cipher is the person that's that person, if I'm not really? mistaken. Really? All right. Um, Julie Cipher, yep. Yeah. They're separated now. She's like uh, Melissa Etheridge, irreconcilable differences. You fuck Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> is she back with LD? No, she's with Matthew Hale. So she went back on the other side of the bridge. Did she? Not to be trusted, though. He's yep. a, That guy's always been like, well... I mean, like, no, I mean, she looks, she's bisexual. That's, that's just, that's just what it is. I mean, she, I'm not trying to make a joke. Melissa Etheridge's Twitter handle says, I got Anne Haced. <laughs> but you, uh, when you're, I mean, there are plenty of people with more talent and more, more potential sperm that's good than David Crosby. No, you don't need, you don't need to bring that kind of drama, that kind of David Crosby drama in your life willingly. So Lou Diamond Phillips did remarry. I mean, I think everybody's wondering. He wouldn't have been a bad person to cast for this movie, to be fair. Right. No, she got rid of her because of those Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> anyway, this is from the writer. Speaking of like connecting all the dots here, it's from the writer of Young Guns. 
John Fusco. John Fusco, yeah, yeah. Who I thought was maybe had some, you know, Native American blood. I thought I don't think so. I think he's from Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a handsome man, though. Handsome writer. And and uh, you know, he's got two decent ones under his tally. Good for him. He did Hidalgo. I should have I should have warned you. Which you saw in the theater and interviewed Vigo Mortensen for, if I'm not mistaken. You are mistaken. I never saw it. I never in- interviewed Vigo. I would have loved to. I interviewed I'm, the ladies from Kissing <laughs> Jessica Stein. Close. So I one of my I maybe it was Steve. Maybe it was Steve. But Steve. anyway. Interview Vigo, huh? I was unable to attend. It was for the movie mm-hmm. magazine. I was unable to attend and I called in air support, and I think it was Steve. Yeah. Got to interview the horse, got to interview <laughs> Vigo. Now, Vigo is a notorious non-showerer. Is he? And I wonder if he stunk up the interview room. That'd That's be tough for the, the expectant parents. Okay, you're right. That's just be- <laughs> it's a beautifully delivered joke. So tell yeah. me about the old character. He's uh, played by Ted Thin Elk. Name was is Grandpa Sam Reaches in this movie. He's kind of the the bridge for Kilmer. He is this old man that Graham Greene's character takes uh, Kilmer to to talk, you know, to talk to, and and he's just very charming. <laughs> kind of plays games with Kilmer. So then Kilmer's there watching him, like to see if he does any if if, if this James looks twice comes to meet Grandpa because he's supposed to kind of have been in contact with this fugitive. But he ends up just helping him. And Kilmer goes and helps him lift uh, buckets of water and kind of hits it off with him. Yeah, and there's a little cute little dog that becomes a sidekick. He's sitting in an old rusty truck and all that. And it's Mm. funny because it's it's that age-old trope where there's a character who you think doesn't speak English, who throughout the majority of the movie uh, is speaking in his native tongue, no pun intended, and then throws an English bomb onto him later. He does. And Kilmer's just like kind of amused by it. He's like, he's been speaking, he can speak English the whole time because he's being translated. Graham Greene's translating and badly because he's not, Graham Greene's not telling Kilmer, obviously everything this guy's saying. The guy, one thing he, he, he does have a, you know, picks a bone with Mr. Magoo in this movie. <laughs> he lays into Mr. Magoo. He's watching that cartoon and he's <laughs> calls Mr. Magoo untrustworthy. <laughs> Fusco is sitting in his Fusco sitting in his San Bernardino Valley's flat, thinking I'm going to Tarantino this script up big time. Throw some <laughs> pop culture references, make it all electric. Mr. Magoo, where do you stand on Mr. Magoo, Nick? Um, love him. Yeah, if I remember right, uh, his character did not see well. You're correct. And then I think they stopped coming up with character traits after that. He's always getting in a pickle because he can't see well. Um, and almost getting himself killed. Oh, you know what? Bad eyesight. He, he may have been able to beat Samara. Oh, you're right. That's such a good point. <laughs> 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 Can you imagine? That's how it, how it ends. She, she runs into Mr. Magoo. Withers <laughs> away into the earth. He doesn't. Does he Powerless. talk? Does he talk in the cartoons? He does. He. I think he's kind of like Mr. Howe. the guy that did Mr. Howe voice him? That'd be great. The post credit stinger. He's facing the opposite direction of the interview, and he's like, "Also, what is a video cassette?" <laughs> so one of these things that this grandpa is good at is <laughs> making trades. 
course, yeah. And he trades. Uh, Kilmer has these Ray Bans or something. These really, these beautiful big old sunglasses, and he trades them for a rock, <laughs> a smooth pebble. Yep. Which is and a later huge compliment in his culture, but later Graham Greene is wearing those sunglasses. So Kilmer tries to trade them back for the same rock, and Graham Greene's like, "No, no deal," you know. And there's another trade that happens. We made the end of the movie is a trade, but there's I thought no. There's another tries, one. Yeah, he tries to get his watch at one point, mm-hmm. and then later on he does. Oh, Kilmer gives it to him because he because it's a that watch is a family heirloom. I think he says. If Kilmer was smart and he wanted to save us all some trouble, he could have traded with Grandpa. I said, I'll give you this watch for Sam Shepard in, in jail. <laughs> Kilmer's been having visions. Yep. In this movie, he started, he, as soon as he arrives, he's seeing phantom figures in the distance dancing. You know, he's, he's, he, there's a part where he's sweating it out. Like there's a, I don't know, there's a dance or some kind of celebration where he, he starts having major vision of his dad holding him as a baby. You know, he just, like I said, in this movie, I think they do a pretty good job. He more and more is kind of aligned with the people he's there to investigate. Yep. He's getting back to his roots, Nick. He's embracing who he really is. He does. He's. I'm not convinced with the turnaround. Like He, he sort of turns a corner. I don't know if I if there's a full uh, achievement of that on the, uh, on the screen. But Well, he starts off as a dick, but he's also kind of, kind of a new recruit, right? He's kind of, he's, 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 he's wet behind the ears. And I think as soon as he, he comes up against Sam Shepard's character, who's throwing roadblocks left and right, you know, he, he's a good person. So he, that's not something, you know, and Sam Shepard keeps trying to, you know, do the old, you're going to get promoted. You're going to, your name's on this report. You know, you're going to get, you're going to reap the rewards from this, you know, and Kilmer smells a rat. Rayleigh boy. Yeah. What is Fred Ward's because he has a badge as well. What's his story? He's just the other side of the. He's like the the non traditionalist. The, the I think the group that wants to move forward. But really, he's like he's just kind of the captain of the armed thugs that kind of works for the really for the government. You know, he's he's wearing a bolo. He's wearing a black hat. Of course, he's a bad dude. You know, the funny thing is, is this film has a very convenient sense of um, justice. These guys don't treasure human life. They're shooting up houses. They're shooting up, you know, out in the streets and all that. Yet, during the many opportunities they have to get our guys dead to rights, they don't fire a single bullet. They do fire at Kilmer. There's a part where he's drinking that milk and he and he gives it to the dog, or he does something, bends over, and then they remember they they shoot. There's a headshot there. Right, but there's also a, an entire chase scene where they're right next to him and nothing's going on. Well, that's because um, the Sam Shepard said, don't shoot them. I want, don't, don't, don't kill them. I want them alive. Like he, he does give that order. Anyway, what do you think of that cute old dog that Kilmer befriends? I love that guy. Yeah. A little mutt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kilmer's drinking milk in the hot sun, which is not great. It's a bad choice as they say. Yeah. An anchor man. And he gives that hot milk to the dog. Right. Who promptly spills it over, knocks it over the yeah. snout. And then drinks it out of the dirt. We talked about the boy getting shot. What do you think of that doctor? They took him to the to the the doctor in town, and he's annoyed. He's yeah. busy. He's yeah. annoyed that this kid, little kid, shot in the arm. Well, yeah, but he's in the middle of a project. Yeah, he's doing I some can, kind of. I, I can empathize with that. I can empathize with that. Fair enough. Yeah. If I'm in the middle of something, I got my blinders on. And I'm kicking ass on something. Somebody tries to mm. throw a wrench into it. Fuck that. Let me Your see. Kid. Let me look through. Let me skirt through my notes here. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the uh, the pseudo jump scare. Okay, let's hear it. 
so there's a scene. So there's um there's a scene where where Kilmer is in his domicile and he thinks somebody might be hiding in his shower. He hears a noise and oh, then yeah, he slowly right. approaches the curtain, slowly approaches the curtain and pulls the curtain back. And there's a damn owl standing on the uh, open window outside, and it looks yeah. at him with all scaredy cat, and then pisses off. I like that shot. Owls are they're good actors. Owls. Zoom in. Yeah, they mention an owl. They mention uh, kind of owls earlier in the movie. So one shows up. What do you think of the scene where they're offering Kilmer a peace pipe and he smell? He decides to smell it instead of smoke it, and then hands it back. I thought it was disrespectful. Yeah, me too. Either that, or he just doesn't understand how they work, and then that's that's on me. He thought he thought it might have been a peace smell, you know, like a peace smelling for sure. Yeah. Anyway, so the the bullet is fired at his head. He finds out from Grandpa. That is government issued bullet. That's a federal bullet, right? And so he now he knows for sure that he is uh, being targeted by his own own people, right? Maybe even Rex Lynn. Who knows? <laughs> and then the movie ends. Well, yeah, you know, like I said, the woman that he bonds with, that he kind of they kind of really kind of take to each other. She ends up getting killed, which I hate. And you find out the reason this all this business has been people are getting murdered and. Sam Shepard is in on it is because there's some uranium deposits that they want to mine. Right. And they're trying to, I guess, use the violence as a distraction or as a way to get rid of people so they can get in and get those, you know, that valuable uranium. Yeah. And there's this, you know, there's a part where in Killer's Pass, that's where Thunderheart comes in. He has this ancestor who made a break for the stronghold around there and was killed. And so at the end of the movie, that's what, Kilmer's doing. He's kind of outrunning the bad guys, trying to get to this stronghold with Graham Greene, so they can, you know, they can survive. Right. It's kind of. I think it's kind of good. I think the movie is actually good. I, I like this movie. I'd recommend it, and especially made me kind of reassess Graham Greene. I wish he was in more shit. Absolutely. Greatness. And he he was one of those guys that I, I know he was he was kind of a little older when he when he hit, but he 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 didn't parlay that into as much longevity as some of his peers. Like Wes Studi, I think, right, seems to have more of a prominent career. But you know, Graham Greene, like he just has a, he's got good comedic timing. You know, he's just like a good, like kind of charismatic actor. By the way, Kilmer, he went right from Graham Greene to Wes Studi in his career. What do you mean, Heat? Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, what, did, what, what did Kilmer make around this time? Like, what were some of the other movies besides Heat? At the, uh, he made yeah. Sweet Sweet Magic with Joanne Wally. I know that. He made that dumb. Remember, he made that movie where he's blind. Uh, first of all, how dare you? Saw that in the theater. What was it called? It's Mr. Not Magoo. Could... It was the Mr. Magoo adaptation. <laughs> it's not if you could see what I hear, because that was Mark Singer trying to blind it up. <laughs> Mira Servino was in that, right? Was it? I she... think so. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, let's bring it out. Let's bring it to the fore. So here's his role. Here's how he nailed it. Start off hot as fuck. Did Thunderheart. Followed it up with the. Instant classic, The Real McCoy. Oh, my God. What is that? That was that Kim Basinger nightmare movie. Remember that oh piece of fuck? What was she? Was she like a burglar in that? Yeah, it was fuck. Who was the... Who was the... Was Connor... Not Connor wasn't in that. T- no. Terry Terry Stamp. And I then then he did yeah. Tombstone, True Romance, Batman Forever, Heat, Wings of Courage, Island of Dr. Moreau, Ghost in the Darkness, Dead Girl, The Saint, Prince of Egypt, and then the aforementioned At First Sight. Tombstone, he's fucking incredible in Tombstone. You have to hot take. I know, but seriously, let's just 
That's an amazing performance. That came after this? Yeah. So he had a little bit of a run, I'd say. I think he's a pretty he had a pretty good career. He had he's a great career. Yeah. He's still out there. Yeah, he's not he's a shell of himself, but Well, he had a tough he had a tough bout with cancer, but he's still yeah. working. Yeah, he was in Tombstone before Sam Shepard. I know that. What does that mean? Because he's dead. Who? Oh. <laughs> By the I mean, way, Sam Shepard was. Yeah, who names their pizza company Tombstone? You imagine you... one one kid chokes on one of those and you can't live it down, man. Have you had any Tombstone pizza? Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, See, I thought it, I thought it was like tied to the Spider-Man villain, um, who. You know, the, the, the ghoul in a tux who, like, assassinates mafiosos or whatever. I don't remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know. Yeah, of course I've had a tombstone. So Kilmer gets the he gets the goods on uh, Sam Shepard, who's in He's the guy that kind of he sprung um, someone out of jail and and, you know, gave him basically permission to. He's like, you got to kill. I'll give you I'll get you out of jail if you kill this guy. And Kilmer gets it on tape, which Sam Shepard chastises him early in the movie for not recording his interviews. Right. So he finally does. And he has the goods on Sam Shepard as he's driving. Yeah. He plays it on over his phone. His, his, his superpower, as it turns out, is the ability to rewind to the exact spot he needs to while driving. Not too hard. Let's say, you know, one thing I noticed in this movie is Kilmer tells Graham green, they're going to go off road. He goes, cause they're driving together. He's like, put your seatbelt on. Graham green does not. He does. He doesn't. He does. He doesn't. He does. He goes, oh, shit, or something like that. He does. He reaches for it. He starts to, but then in the next shot, it's not on him, I don't think. Uh, I think you're wrong. I think we'll have to investigate. Guys, could you do it with us? Available on Amazon Prime, if you care to watch. By the way, this movie has a bit of a castaway ending. Did you notice? Let's hear it. Kilmer, you know, he, he he finally gives his watch to Grandpa. And he goes back to his car, says his goodbyes to Graham Greene, who now they're buddies. By the way, giving the watch to Grandpa, drinking the warm milk with the dog, and racing to the stronghold all sound like euphemisms for what I'm about to do. (laughs) What about laying the peace pipe on the car seat? Sniffing the peace pipe. (laughs) You saying you need to take a break? (laughs) So, no, um, they... So he realizes that on, and, it's, and he's and this is a Kilmer out of his suit. Finally, he's got a black shirt on. He's got jean, jeans on. I think a jean jacket. Like he's looking no, no, casual. The Graham Green is rocking the Canadian tuxedo throughout this film. Yeah, but at the end, Kilmer's he's in casual mode, right? He's well, he has like a members only type jacket at one point when he goes to visit the cemetery. Yeah, so he might be wearing that. So anyway, he he looks down at his seat and the peace pipe that he does. You know, because the grandpa's like whenever he gives the watch to him. He does his old like hand motion, like we're good, we're good, we we're we're even. But he gave him the peace pipe, right? And Kilmer turns to him and says, "What the fuck am I supposed to do with this shit?" You know, right? But uh, he drives away, and as he's driving away, he the last shot is he he's leaving the reservation, and he comes to a crossroads. Like he goes out to the highway. Now the shot is supposed to show that he's going back to you know the civilization, so to speak. He's going back to the to the city, you know from kind of where he was, where he was kind of back to the to the old ways, right? But really, it's a crossroads. It reminded me of Castaway. And then the film cuts to the distant future, and Kilmer has found a new profession, and he has actually cost the U.S. government a, a uranium supply, and we lose the nuclear war. 
The end. <laughs> Solid movie. Solid fun. I liked it. I, I it's not a fun movie, but I think it's worth watching. It's good. And you know, Kilmer, I think he I think he puts himself quite nicely in this, but it's there's there's plenty of performances in, the, in, in this that people would like, I think. Just check it out. And also a pretty good dead body of the girl, like as far as like the uh the effects. They did a nice job dummying her up because that ain't her. That's a dead ass that's like a, a latex dead person. You sure? It doesn't I don't think it's her. Either that or they did a great job of making her look smaller and desiccated. They turn her they show her face and she's definitely she's definitely got the that's her. And she's got those contacts. Of, well, he, he knew who it was immediately, face down in the in the dirt. Because what, what are you trying to say? I'm saying no. He's like, uh, it's a tiny ass head down there. It's, like, it's got to be uh, sing sing songs with songs. What's her name? Uh, her name in the movie, I can't remember. Maggie, Maggie, something or other. Yeah, Maggie left left a whole bunch of kids without a mom and a teacher. Yeah, that's all. That, that, that really based on a real murder. I mean, like I said, I I recently read that book, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, and what a nightmare. I mean, I read that book and just see the wrongs that were, were done to uh, Native Americans in yeah. this country. So your sagebrush, dust, limestone, pass through it all, and you enter a, a chamber where the whirring sound of a sizzling... I thought, you were, I thought you were naming the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> sizzling needle, carving into skin, making tat. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's time to get a Thunderheart tattoo on your person. It's time to do the work. What are you thinking? I mean, definitely get Mr. Magoo, Mr. Magoo tattoo. Probably on one of my pecs, one of my one of my ample pecs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I call them my cheeks. Um, but uh, and definitely have you know the, just a beautiful rendering of the cartoon Mr. Magoo squinting, of course, mm-hmm. and then he's squinting at something on the wall, and it's un- it just says untrustworthy. That's, that's just my tribute to this movie. Now, would Samara make an appearance in my tat? I don't know. It'd be it'd be weird to make a tat of an individual who can't see the tat. It's like the ultimate diss to Mr. Magoo. Yeah. What about you? So I, I'm thinking on my on my uh like my I guess what you call it, my strap my 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 uh blood eagle spot, you know, the the, the strapping shoulder blades, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have like a really authentic, perfectly rendered photorealistic shot of the child on bullet impact reaching for gi joe yeah his shirt is ripping in little you know like a little propulsion of of blood and and shrapnel and the look on his face like uh i already had it bad yeah you know that's he didn't he didn't have it that bad he's he's a part of a loving family in a in a diseased house in the middle of a shit place with nobody cares wow he did have a, a six million dollar man. I think maybe that was a six million dollar man figure. He was he was definitely a well dressed action action figure, a doll, so to speak. I don't catch that. I love me some Lee Majors toys. Mm-hmm. Still alive, by the way. So uh, look, you've been given the financing to start your own business related to Thunderheart. How are you going to spend that hard earned cash? Such a good question. So you're driving through the suburbs and you see a a new construction. Future future home of Ted Thin Elk's Barter Hut. So we got a very simple policy. We have our own conversion rate. You don't know. Mm-hmm. So if like you bring in a, like a, a samurai sword, I'm going to s- swap it with like a stepped on match. And you're going to like that transaction, you know. <laughs> bring in a boom box. It's like with, with batteries. And I'm going to give you a bag of wolf diarrhea. 
But, you know, if you bring some, you know, you come in with like your wedding ring or something, I will give you uh, uh, the larynx of some mammal. Like I'll, I will have an assortment of larynxes. Narwhal? Not a, is that, a, I guess it is a mammal. Yeah, sure. What the fuck? I don't think they have a voice. I don't think they need a larynx, do they? I don't think they, I think it, you think it's a larynx. I think it's a tooth. I'm going to just go to my, my previous searches. Do narwhals have larynx? <laughs> a delicacy. The narwhal's larynx, by the way. Mm. They, they have it. They do. They have it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so you heard it here first, kids. Narwhal yeah. larynx. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, what about you? Um, well, I, I'm going to keep it. My business is, you know, I'm going to get in the animal handling game, Nick. And I got a set of badgers that Beast you're going to want in your movie. Oh, fuck yeah, man. I got my two badgers that you, these guys are trained. These guys are incredible. They can, they can take direction. You know, I got Papa. I got a uh, James Dale Christ. Papa and Christ, my badger. <laughs> and bring them around into their little cages. And I just knock on a production doors. Like I see a movie being made. And, you know, Russell Crowe's in it. I don't know who. I don't care who's in it. So you're like Damon at the beginning of Beyond the Candelabra. I guess so. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Anyway, so I with my arm, both hands, I'd have cage in either hand. And I just knock with my head, forehead on the door. <laughs> hey, it looks like you guys are making a movie here. Any... Any uh, reason that you'd want a badger in this one, you know, or two, you know, a badger or two. And I would just badger production companies to put my badgers in there. And uh, so far, uh, one win, Thunderheart. And I remember, I love that credit to be any introducing Christ. <laughs> Christ the badger. Um, but yeah, so as seen in Thunderheart. Yeah. And they're like, okay, where where else? What other uh, that resume looks like you pretty short. Well, yeah, that we had problems with this. Uh, he wasn't supposed to. Uh, he he. Not only did he really bite Sam Shepard, then it made fun of his teeth. <laughs> he, you got one film role. You got paid scale, and uh, your business. Uh, let's put it this way: craft services menu was one hundred percent badger. Weeks later. So that's that's my business. Yeah, uh, you know, trying to get trying to force badgers onto productions. Is that ha is there a lot? Can you think of another movie just off the top of your head where there's a badger in it? Oh man, it makes me want to have a rival business where I specialize in Gila monsters. <laughs> Are you? Oh, you're doing North Dallas Forty. Well, let me show you what a Gila monster looks like. <laughs> put a you know, helmet. Put a little helmet on this character. He's a running. Hey, what's back. Justin? What's Justin doing lately? I saw a recent picture of him. He looks penniless. <laughs> he looks broke. And he was holding badgers. He was cradling a badger named Christ and a 40. <laughs> and you know what he traded for that 40? The other. Now, badgers are. are... <laughs> That's what happens when you hook your dreams on a fucking badgers, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're, they're little, they're voracious little men, too, aren't they? They're little snippies. I imagine they're quite bitey, you know. Yeah, and they get, but they don't. I don't. They're my. They have a lot of teeth, I think, but they don't open too wide, do they? You can never trust something with a triangle head, you know. Like it's got a triangle head, so you know it's not thinking correctly. Yeah, like um, crocodile or alligator. One of those two have a, a triangle. Head. Or the guy from Silent Hill. Yeah, that's right. What's his name? 
pyramid head or something. Mike. That's right. It's Mike. <laughs> what so, <laughs> someone running away from that character. Oh my god. It's, it's Mike. Mike. <laughs> the nurses are moving in slow motion and Mike's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go outside. Mike's in the mist. <laughs> we got this incredible. Look at these drawings. Look at these. The, we have this incredible character design for the video game. Look at all the drawings we we've, we've done. Like this pyramid head, this huge weapon. This is really incredible. Oh, what's it called, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Named. Decided to name him Mike. Or oh, those. This is this is, is it. M I K E. What does it stand for? No, it's just Mike. Short for Michael. Yeah. So look, you've been placed inside the movie of Thunderheart. You're a character in this story. So uh, what shape does your role take? I'm Steven Stills. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with that at that bar with uh, with David Crosby. We're yeah, we're in this movie. We we are um, we co-own a bar instead of a horrifying band. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare besmirch Southern Cross. Are you a big fan of um Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I had an I had one of their albums as a young mm -hmm. person, and I remember I love the song "Southern Cross." One's enough, I'd say. But you know, Stephen Stills, I think I, I can, I could, I, I'd I'd save him over Nash and Young, or uh, Nash and uh, Crosby. I mean, Young, of course, you got to hold him dear. Would have been great if he was the onset photographer. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so then I'd be uh, Stephen Stills, and the and then. I'd be bartending and then you'd look away and you'd order another drink. And all of a sudden it'd be, there'd be an elk there behind the bar. You're like, what the, f and I'd be a shape shifting Steven stills. <laughs> Elks, elk's a ma majestic animal. Absolutely. Do you, do you agree? Yeah. They're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Large, not as cool as a moose, but still pretty wet. You know, well, that was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So uh, you're at the, there's a scene where Kilmer goes to the gym to get some exercise. And there is a Native American guy who is strapped and he is just pounding, like pounding weights, mm -hmm. like really ripping it out. And he's, he's impressed. And, and he, and, um, and uh, he asked the, the manager, says, who's that over there? And he goes, that's turbocharged super horse. Well, I mean, what are you talking about? So Kilmer's character goes over and says, hi, I hear your name is turbocharged super horse. Um, you mind if you, you know, do you mind if I spot you? The guy nods and he's like, so how'd you get that name? And he goes, I don't know. Horse. I went deep. What's the movie that Clint Eastwood made? You the horse whisperer. The horse whisperer. Yeah. I like you. You should have just left it at what's that movie that Clint Eastwood made? I'm sorry. What's the best movie Clint Eastwood ever made? Yeah. Remember when he made that movie? Of course. It's a romance. Him I think and uh, he, Meryl, Meryl Streep, right? I think I, I, I give him credit for his restraint because, I mean, he, he's more of a vagina whisperer in that movie, if I remember correctly. He does. There's a big romance in that one. And then, and then there's that line, that famous line where she's like, well, you ain't hung like him. That's for sure. <laughs> he added that line in, in the movie where he portrays the character, too. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, you have a small, dangly dick. <laughs> she tries to shave the pubes to make it look bigger he's like stay off my lawn
still working, Clint Eastwood, still directing. Yep, it's ninety. Although I think a costume designer last night won for a movie, and then she's eighty nine. She's still killing it. Yeah, she's still working. She's like, hey, you know what? I gotta work. I'm eighty nine. She's. They're like, man, she sewed the most funky clothes, and then they realized they were supposed to be normal, but her hands were trembling. <laughs> no. I can't remember what she what she won for. Some one of the movies that had clothes in it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So hey, look, the budget, the green light, man. You got it. They gave the budget to green light. Mm-hmm. Sequel sequel to Thunderheart. The, I mean, in all seriousness, I would make a Graham Green would be the main character. For sure. Kilmer not in this. All right. Kilmer gone. Kilmer dead. Oh, gone. <laughs> Sad. What a, took a horrible turn. He instantly murdered when he tried to turn onto the highway out of the reservation. <laughs> Creamed by a truck. That's oh, man. He's done. But Graham Greene is it's just like he's he's you know, he's um it's just a sequel about him. His life and stuff. I'm trying to come up with it. Just give me a second. Jesus. I guarantee whatever the story you decide on is, mm-hmm. it would have been the same if Mr. Kilmer would it was able to just get to his destination. <laughs> <laughs> that's not allowed my sequel so i don't know if this is weird so he all of a sudden out of the dirt and earth a mini one foot tall graham green springs forth and he is perplexed by this shorter much shorter version of him this this almost exact replica except this one foot tall and he is just sick he doesn't know what to do because it's him. Yeah. Like his mini me, sort of, right? Right, right. He just decides what most people would do. What's that? Eats it? Fall, fall in love, get married. <laughs> and then, you know, for the wedding, the wedding day, you know how um, you 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 uh, carry your bride over the threshold? Right. It's that, except it's the one foot tall version carrying the real full, <laughs> full version. Graham Greene. And then, you know, the last half of the movie, they're just making love. So like that's it. it. What so do you think? That's the most woke Thunderheart movie of all time. <laughs> oh, there's murders in it. <laughs> I was hoping that it was going to be, uh, I thought uh, the little guy was in his first words were going to be, I just got back from Susan Strasberg's back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Manitou. Yeah. So. No, no, nothing like that. But anyway, I... Look, I think the idea is solid and good. It's adorable. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, I'm, what a great answer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it your turn? You want to go now? Good luck. Kilmer died for nothing. So, in my sequel, which is entitled Thunderheart Lives, it, it features mm. a Kilmer returning from the city. He's not Thunderheart. Yes, he is. No, he's not. That's his ancestor. Yeah, well, that's the, yeah he's taken that moniker. Oh, he does he? Legally had his name changed. He has found another small-headed lady in his travels and is shacked up with her and has taken her to the reservation. And they've decided to gather those kids and have a family. And so it's like a sort of a, a, a nice family's drama of, a, of, a, of this, this family coming together, of all these disparate parts finding unity amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, getting, he's trying to create an uneasy alliance between the different factions on the reservation. Grandpa still walks the earth. His best friend is Graham Greene. They drink beers every night. They have a great time. And late one night, he is in his closet, and he finds a dusty old white Toshiba laptop, one of those old-ass brick 
Toshiba laptops. And at night, he's plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. And one night, small-headed woman says, are you writing your memoirs? He goes, kind of. Turns out he invented and programmed Grinder. Oh, yeah? On that laptop. Okay. And, and the last scene is him in the car racing towards the nearest internet connection <laughs> to upload that some bitch. <laughs> Mine's somehow more plausible. <laughs> Uh, the film ends, and after those credits is a stinger of sorts. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I just would do uh, blunder hearts, you know, blunder bloopers. <laughs> you know, I think this, if any movie, you need to relieve the tension. Let's get away. Let's get some fun scenes. You know, let's get some, you know, Apted could throw those in there. Just some, uh, like a, a reel of, of. Of all the actors accepting the role. I, you know, I don't know. Falling into the fire. Kilmer trips in the fire. You know, there's lots of bad words. Drinking the milk, he laughs. It goes up, it comes out of his nose. That kind of stuff. I think it, and then they call it Blunderheart. And I think that would be cute, wouldn't it? The guy jumps over the car with the handcuffs and he rips a total gas. <laughs> and they do that thing where they rewind it and they do it again. Like they yeah. show him rewind and right rips a huge fart. Right. Like he... Sybil Danning's breasts at the end of Howling Two. <laughs> yes, or the badger comes out, lets a huge gas out. Before he bites the hand, that'd be great. Yeah. And I'm sure there was a badger puppet of sorts. I'm sure they had some shenanigans with that, you know, where Sam Shepard had to act like there was a badger on him. They had a badger puppet on his fist. So there's like scenes of Sam Shepard in his makeup trailer with the little badger in his lap. Just he's like talking to the makeup girls. Like, look down at my crotch. You want to see Harry Beast? She looks down and, he, and he, then he is sued for sexual harassment. Like are, you, are you are you thinking that at one point that Sam Shepard spent the day with a puppet badger affixed to his hand? I, th which is actually more plausible than him spending more than a minute in makeup. <laughs> I wonder if I mean was that I just we really have to get to the bottom of this. Were those his real tops? Were those his real teeth? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You think so? I think it'd be cool if he did have that little puppet and he did have an, a, a relationship with Jodie Foster and she did make the Beaver based on that. It's like a little a little nugget from her past inspires one of the great movies. Did she was she with Sham Sam Shepard? No, I'm just making that up. No. Yeah, no, he was just he was Jessica Lang's, Lang's um, significant other for a long time. He got the good years too. She was good for a long time. I think they were together for a long time, long long time, maybe forever until well, his until his death. Nah, there's maybe. no way. There's no way that guy doesn't seem the type. If you, I mean, if you read some of his shit, um, he, 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 you know, he's all about flaws and about men who with men who, 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 who hit crossroads and it doesn't go great. Um, so she, man, Jessica Lang, 1970. Oh, no, he, he was with Orlando Jones, who was in Edward Scissorhands for a long time. Then he was with Jessica Lang, I think. Well, he was with, she was with, with Mikhail Baryshnikov for eight years and then with Sam Shepard. <clears throat> for about 17. I guess they didn't hang in there the whole time. But Olan Jones. What is Olan Jones? She was in Edward Scissorhands. That's where I remember. Which um, character? I don't know that name. She's one of the neighbors. Kind of good actress. She was in a couple things. That's a stupid Interesting name. Interesting actor. So credits end, and you see Sam Shepard doing the long walk into the prison. Handcuffed. Solemn look on his face. Everybody knows he's a cop. You know they treat cops in prison. And he happens to pass the infirmary, and he sees a in the corner little dentist dentistry equipment set up a huge disgusting grin fills his weathered 
windy face visage, knowing that, yeah, I'm going to be doing a hard time. I'm going to have a less banged out mouth doing it, at least sure. in, the, in the biblical sense. Here's the thing about Sam Shepard. We're making fun of his teeth. And, you know, look, people have, you know, we're making fun of his teeth specifically. That's fine. Handsome man, talented man, lots of swagger. You know, I look, we got to give him some credit. This guy is, you just have to happen to have a sailor's tooth. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so look, floating out at sea in the tropics, a beautiful landmass has surfaced. On it, you've collected debris from various films throughout the years. And now it's time to bring something from Thunderheart. Oh, we didn't mention this. Roger Deacon's in this mess. Really? Yeah. You know, he looks just like Michael Apted, except with a more versatile head. Shot this shit. It's a pretty movie. I wonder if he's uh, talked about it on his goddamned podcast that he that he does. That wannabe piece of shit. The Deacons cast. Team Deacons. Is it Team Deacons? Yep. Never listened to, never will. You know why? I don't listen to our imitators. Yeah, integrity is tantamount in this biz. Mm-hmm. You know the kind of stuff I keep on my island. Uh, it's a it's a host of of knickknacks that are delightful. And if you were just happen to crisscross my path on this floating ambassador, you would uh, you know a little chill in the air, maybe maybe one of those days where it's not so sunny. Sure. Prancing around the island, strutting ass is myself, wearing the old Graham Green two piece. Yeah, got the tight rustler jeans. I got the tight denim jacket. I am, I am in redneck camouflage, man. I am just strutting around that island in denim for for days. Rivets catching the the, the glimmering sunlight. My butt squeezed tight and hard. <laughs> zipper, as is the case with inexpensive jeans, zipper at half mast because it won't go up. Won't go down. Just lives in the middle. You know what I'm talking about. You buy those cheap-ass jeans, the zipper's first to go. First first red shirt to go on that fucking barge into Normandy. Zipper zipper gets hit with the first bowl. <laughs> and I am just walking tight-legged throughout that prairie. Uh, the, my own island of tight-ass jean and denims. Sure. Yeah. And I've, I've actually modified this, this garb. I've got a. I've I've created a makeshift patch that I've sewn onto the sleeves, mm-hmm. and I, and I and you know it's sort of breaking the rules, but uh, it's an acronym. FT, FTB on my arm on my, on yeah. my on my patch, and it's got the silhouette of a curvy woman. Okay. Yep. And, and I just wear that patch all fucking day long. What's FTB? Found the body. <laughs> Paulina Poroskova in the news. Hooking out with Aaron Sorkin. She is ready, single, and ready to mingle with the writer of The Social Network. Master of the walk and talk. Big old melon on that guy, by the way. His brain, it's just, his skull had to compensate for that big old brain, that creative noggin of his, you know? Hollywood bad boy Aaron Sorkin in the news. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Strutting his his new um, Philly uh, across the red carpet, couple gray hairs, finding love later in life, more power to him. Finding love in mid midst COVID, I mean, how? Yeah, but more power to those guys. You know, good luck, Godspeed. Anyway, my island, 
I would bring the, the uranium <laughs> and um, I'd bury it. I just take all the uranium, you know, of course I'd, I'd hopefully I'd have some protective gear. Cause I think that stuff's pretty, pretty awful for you. If you get it around your body, I'm not sure. I don't think it's good. I don't think if you're kind of have uranium in the room, that's not good for your body. Right. Is that my zooming in? Yeah. Anyway. So I take the uranium and I just keep, I just shove it in the sand I just keep pushing it as far as it goes down there, you know, and hope like a slow SOS, it would attract people to rescue me off my island. You know, instead of, I'm taking the long way around. Instead of an SOS spelled out in stones and seashells on the shore, I'm shoving uranium in the sand, hoping that these opportunists catch a whiff. Right. And then bring their fucking boat and rescue me off this hell hole. <laughs> you know, get me out of here finally. Right. So it sounds like you're on the island that was at the end of Deep Rising, you know? Something that kind of uranium would create some meta monsters or some shit. Oh, that's just my luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I'm in there. I'm like, this is, this is finally my SOS, kind of a creative SOS, kind of, you know, pat myself on the back. And then I created a fucking sand monster from it by mistake. Like, yeah. I'm trying to get rescued. Instead, I, I trap myself with some kind of, radioactive some beast. Sort of, yeah some sort of distorted entity mm -hmm. uh troubled by its place in in the history of time and space you know the natural kingdom doesn't want you the cosmos can't understand you mm -hmm. you know so you got to feel sympathy for that that meandering beast but then you know hey if you look out to sea and you see the forms of kevin j o'connor treat williams and fomke showing up I'm looking for a rescue. Those guys were flee fleeing to the to the island. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm looking for a rescue, but the problem is I'm running across the scrant sand, chastising myself. Why did I do it? Yeah, you know, like why did I shove uranium down there? God damn me! You know, yeah. like I'm screaming, self pitying. You know, just like I do in real life, anyway. I like it. I like the idea. Every, in movies, they're always using tongs to move that shit around. You know. Are they? You know, you see like the little cute tongs holding the, the cylinder of uranium or whatever. Sure. And is it enriched? Isn't there something you have to do to it to make it super cool? God, I hope so. You yeah. know, and I would, my tongs would be made out, of, made out of coconut, of course. Yeah. I'd have coconut tongs. So I would be following the safety precautions for sure. Right. I would be doing everything right until everything went wrong. And then this like 90 foot earthworm or something like is just terrorizing me in the island. And to fuck you even harder. The uranium on its own, innocent. But when mixed with coconut milk. God dang it. I'm going to, you know what, though? You know, every once in a while, we're kind enough to gift each other. Oh, you're going to gift me something. I was going to yeah. say, like, before you do that, I, I just envisioned my rescue. I'm screaming. I'm running away from this horrific beast, this earthworm, whatever. You know, this gigantic crab. I'm screaming. And then the, the rescue come and outstrolls Sam Shepard. And I take one look at those 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 teeth, those chompers, and go absolutely insane. It's the last, <laughs> the last shred of my mind. You're like, I thought I was standing at a crossroads like Dana Castro, but it was just Sam Shepard's mouth. But you look up in the sky, and there's a cute little paratrooper coming down. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, the paratrooper lands in one of your enriched uranium holes. Oh god, no. And so, emerging from the soil, burgeoning and muscular, is Christ, the Badger. Yes, and he is shredded now, and he hates you. So you are 
Running to get specific there, by the way. You are leaving scurried footprints across the island as triangle-shaped Christ chases you. <laughs> Mike? <laughs> or Christ? Christ the Badger with the triangle head. No, I, I know. I, I get it. I get it. I, I know that guy. Maybe that's, there's, that's Mike's origin story. One of my favorite candies, too. Mike and Ike? Mike and Christ.
drink my 